this fact that whenever you're scared of something and this could be a genuine fear you still don't stop i don't think i've ever done that in my life until this past one year where whatever is the hurdle in front of you you are going to say listen only one of us is going to survive either the hurdle or me it's better that i survive and not the hurdle what we have understood is we don't want to be your five star bakery which only provides products which you know 90% of people cannot pronounce right uh, we don't want to be that so yes we want to change the way indians eat bread but for a majority of the population not only for a select clientele on today's episode i talked to india's power couple of bread Aditi Handa and Snejan not only found a way to make sourdough a hit in India but also figured out how to make the whole operation their bread and butter. Their artisanal bakery, the Baker's Dozen, which started out as a bootstrap venture, is now expected to generate 20 crores of revenue this year. We discuss how consumer demand increased and evolved during the pandemic and how consistent hard work and innovation are the ingredients for success and a perfectly baked loaf of bread. Okay, hi guys. Hi Aditi, hi Sneha. Thank you so much for being here today. Hello Pooja, hi, hi, how Pooja. are you? I'm so happy you have us here. It's been a long time. I was, you know, just talking to me earlier and saying that I still remember in I think was it 2012 or 2013 when I opened my Bandra store, we had this little yeah. tasting Tuesday and yeah. you guys were over and we did this bread yeah. tasting. I mean, what a fabulous journey, you know. I I want to take us back a little bit and kind of understand how this journey began. So, if either of you could start with how uh, because it started, how you guys met. So, uh, Pooja, actually, the the story is almost like a Chetan Bhagat novel, actually, page <laughs> by page. So, uh, we met on IIM campus. I was in IIM Ahmedabad, and I was doing my MBA over there, and. Uh, Aditi actually is is the daughter of one of my professors on IIM campus. Oh, this is okay. I'm writing the script already. <laughs> but actually, what happened was Aditi and me met through a common love for entrepreneurship. Her dad teaches entrepreneurship on IIM campus, so I was one of his students there, and that's when uh, both of us met for the first time. And it happened that you know long conversations on doing your own thing, business. that journey and those struggles and the risks and the challenges and the rewards that's what actually in a way kind of was the start for both the personal and the professional <laughs> partnership in a way so yeah aditi you want to continue post that yeah so i think this was till in 2009 when we were still studying and then i was studying in england and i eventually went back then i came back and snee had an offer from uh, mckenzie and he was working with them and i started a small business in amdabad of a souvenir shop on the i am amdabad campus we got married we moved to canada for a few months and i think that that's when we decided that enough of doing all this let's uh, let's get together and start a business most people you know from the culinary world uh, are trained uh, as chefs and then they say okay we're going to make a business out of this for us it was the reverse where we said uh, we want to do a business food is a sector we thought we were interested in and then we started brainstorming that which business in food should we do and uh, i think we met about 60 70 people across the country from different industries and in during one of those brainstorming ideas this thing came up that in india na you don't get good bread achhi bread kahi nahi milti it was really just a simple statement like that and we said great why don't we look at uh, starting a bakery 
at that point the idea of a bakery was bread and uh, patisserie and uh, we felt that at least one of us needs to be trained from it because you know snake comes from an mba background i came from a psychology and human resource background so then we started looking at culinary schools and i found the french culinary institute in new york and they had a dedicated bread baking program so i went there with the intention of being one of those you know well informed managers i i wasn't like planning to fall in love with bread or any such thing it was just really like hey great sounds great you're going to live in manhattan for two months amazing but i think it's and i'm sure you can relate to this part when you meet chefs like that who are so passionate who are so great at their art whose life is around whatever their product is it rubs off on you it rubs off on you in a way that uh, you know recipes don't matter and it's that passion and that love for it and i remember on my fifth day i wrote an email uh, back to my family saying i figured out my purpose in life all i want to do is bake bread selling may or may not happen but i only want to be a baker but you know i mean that i just goes to show right like all of last year i think the i mean everyone just like was started baking and you know like yeah, the right. world is hit with the biggest crisis as a pandemic but people saw a release in baking and yeah. and honestly like for me as well right like i don't bake bread much and i just started last year you know and i was like oh i'm such a cliche you know it's like i'm stuck in my house and i'm 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 starting this right now but it's just so therapeutic I, I to be in that moment yeah. make something with your hands and see it come alive you know like it's True. just a beautiful process and i think that that's what happened to you you just got yeah. bitten by this bug a lot earlier and you know it's one of those things that you keep working like you know when i was studying and i was like okay i'm working i'm studying but i'm used to having figured out what is it that you are why why were you born on this planet what's the purpose that you're going to serve and i used to always think okay maybe running a business maybe that's something that will excite me but when i started baking i i really think i went a bit cuckoo because i was talking <laughs> in languages which people wouldn't understand and i would be like oh listen don't touch my dough like that and don't be gentle and don't you dare think about knocking it back <laughs> you know those sort of things were you were you also talking to your dough aditi i was totally is it to <laughs> me <laughs> to me that is still my first child and i remember the day i learned how to make croissants because with croissants you have to be perfect right from the stage one if you've messed exactly. up the lamination even if you don't get the perfect rectangle you can't do much to make up for it later and i used to uh, you know we didn't have sheeters so we had to manually sheet it and i used so to chant uh, the gayatri mantra at that point because i feel like when i used to make my croissants that was the first time i actually spiritually connected with god so this is like a very different experience uh, that was happening like i said our original plan was that uh, i would learn bread and we would hire someone for the patisserie and i came back and said to listen pastry is not calling to me right now right now i feel bread is calling to me so can we start this journey from there and see where it goes in hindsight it turned out to be a good strategy too so that's how bakers doesn't started in about 2012 that is that is so beautiful i think there's there's a couple of things here one is the fact that you said that you know for me the exact experience that you had when you know you're making croissants and 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 yeah. and you're, you're chanting this mantra in your mind for me it was actually while i was making macaroons and making yeah. this batter where it felt like for once i was in that moment and nothing else around me mattered exactly. and that was and it's very rare to be uh, you know i almost have goosebumps as you say it because i <laughs> 
experience the exact same thing yeah and you know I come from a family and my mom really believes in energy and healing yes. and the kind of energy that you put into your food that's the kind the person who eats it experiences so it's super yeah. important so you know when I started low 15 I would go around the kitchen like badgering almost everyone being like how much love did you put in today you know, <laughs> how much love did you put in when yeah. we say made with love it actually exactly. it's not just like a gimmicky sort of marketing line we actually sort of believe yeah. in that and I think I you do too right I totally and, agree and going back to you know uh, in 2010 when I had just started low 15 hmm. I had spoken to this very famous restaurant chain right now they were planning to open a bakery and uh, they got this French chef from you know who is a teacher yeah. in, in the US and I still remember this first meeting we met at the Willingdon club and he sat across me and he's like I've been here for two days to see how, you know, we can make French bread in India. And he's like, it's not possible. He's <laughs> like, it's not possible. The flour is not right. It doesn't have yeah. enough gluten. The water doesn't have this, this, that. And he just, he left the country. <laughs> like he came for two days and he's like, we can't make French style bread in India. So what was it like for you guys when you started? Like what kind of experience do you have just, you know, working with the ingredients, the recipes, setting up everything from scratch? So I think when I came back from New York, I came back a bit oversmart and a bit cocky and saying, listen, I'm going to make the best baguettes in the world. And I remember the first batch that came out, it was so pathetic. I mean, it was just bad. It was bad at every possible level. And then I wrote back to my chef saying, listen, what happened? And he said, what you've not factored in is the flour is different. The water is different. Your oven is different. Your temperature is different. Everything's different. So now forget your recipe and go back to your technique. Go back to the science. Change one variable at a time. And then I said, should I import French flour? And he said, you will never do that. Because, you know, it's like either when you work with a premix or if you can import the ingredient, something as basic as flour, then what's the skill of a chef? So these are your conditions. This is your local produce. You have to learn to work with it. Don't keep what you made in New York as the benchmark. Try to come closest, but don't try to totally replicate it. You know, there are certain realities of our country. We accept that. I think what happened in that first month of doing trials, we eventually became scientists of baking. So, you know, people see the art of baking and I feel there's so much science behind it that, you know, when you, when you say macarons, when you make a meringue, if there's like three grams extra of egg white, it's different, right? If there's a little bit of yolk that goes in making a meringue, it, it is, it's not the same. So we started changing one variable at a time. We tried different types of flowers, which we would get uh, at times maida, at times atta. And we said, okay, great. This is the product that we are able to achieve. And what we also told ourselves is the first time we make a sourdough, you have to keep evolving it. So, you know, the first sourdough we made, we keep reinventing the recipe a little bit uh, every couple of months, uh, making tweaks to it, understanding it better. So it's not that you've perfected your recipe in one go. It takes years to be able to perfect it. Correct. Was it very clear, like the demarcations of what each of you were doing for the business from the very start? Or was it something that came over time? How did how did that part of the business evolve? So actually a very, a very clear, like a one line definition of that was that Aditi bakes, I sell. Oh, wow. That's great. <laughs> I almost go to the factory like a visitor. Right? I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not allowed in some areas. And I'm like, you stay away from here, things like that. But, uh, but I think that was quite clear um, right from start, Pooja, uh, because obviously there's a clear appreciation for the product that Aditi can have, right? Uh, and I think if I look back now, 
there would have been numerous examples where we would have argued we would have said you know i would have said why can't we make the product this way or sell it at this price x you know the normal business issues but i think now i think that's actually the differentiator right uh, yes obviously when we were we were selling a novel product like this at that time at least it was a novelty right even in 2012 or 13 sado was not like a common you know indians had just got onto multigrain at that time so but i think that appreciation for these two departments it's quite clear from day one i think that's super important and that's something that i you know i think i struggle with a lot because i do both and so i have to have these two voices in my yeah. head fighting constantly so it, it's challenging either way but um, i wanted to understand so you guys in 2012 wanted to change the way bread was made or consumed in india and now it's been almost a decade of that journey what has changed in the vision of the company since the day you started to where you guys are at today fundamentally pooja the vision of changing the way indians perceive and eat bread right uh, that has remained a constant right so whether we go through our initial menu our first menu was 13 products in classic you know tbd style right uh, and it was mostly sardos and things like that but see what has evolved is that we are saying we'll provide you the best quality bread sardo versions of the best quality bread but it can even be your daily bread so for example a pav can also be a sardo pav right so what we have understood is we don't want to be your five star bakery which only provides products which you know 90% of people cannot pronounce right uh, we don't want to be that so yes we want to change the way indians eat bread but for a majority of the population not only for a select clientele so was it tough to because it's only now that people understand the concept of sourdough and what it means yeah. but when you started and you started doing that was that challenging to market to even get people to understand what was that like in the initial years I think when we started the bakers doesn't we hadn't laid out a five or a ten year plan, so there were no just milestones that we said, oh, this is what we have to achieve. I think when you start a business, you have to be a bit naive, a bit foolish, and you know, kind of take things in the stride. I remember initially thinking that we'll open one store and that will be the store we are at for five years. That was really the first <laughs> idea. The idea was just let's just make good, honest, authentic sourdough. And uh, when I remember there was a there was a time when I used to bake through the night, and then in the morning I would be at the store. and if a customer would walk in and buy let's say like a regular slice but then i would be like aunty aap ye sourdough try karo na you will like it a bit more and she's like not sure i'm like okay you know what take it for free doesn't matter i just want you to eat it anyways uh, i don't care about the commercials so you just take it <laughs> so there was there was a lot of <laughs> so there was a lot of just you know like that aunty kind of marketing that was happening so it was not like a sales boy or a sales girl talking to a customer it was really just two people trying to become friends and saying that this night's a nice product i've made it i really like it you will like it too so i think a lot of customer education happened without us trying to do customer education our prabhadevi store which was the first one we opened on the opening day we had 500 people line up outside and these are not people we know so i'm not even from bombay snees uh, from bombay but these were not friends and family this was just word of mouth and that's i think where snee's ambition gene kicked in saying shop number 2 has to start now <laughs> and then it was shop no i remember your prabhadevi store is very close to my house yes, i remember yes. the balloons outside the store <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. and i also really i think what i really appreciated at the time was just 
the the packaging the copy yeah. you know the way everything was just the product descriptions like yeah. it just seemed like a lot of attention to detail yeah. a lot of thoughtfulness that went into sort of everything yeah. so you could see you know like as a you know fellow entrepreneur and i know the costs of everything <laughs> and how much it cost to put that one extra sleeve on something yeah. i truly did appreciate that so then that was your idea the your, i mean your idea was to get the product ready and you know you were happy with having that one store for 5 years sne what what kicked in then once you saw those <laughs> 500 people lining outside so actually just before that right uh, before we launched our prabhadevi store we said now how do we take this product to people right and i still remember and this experience is almost like etched into our memory so we used to stay in pareli so we picked like these eight ten kind of complexes of let's say your 400 500 flats each got contacts through some people family friends references and i still remember aditi and me went in the morning 8 am to like 10 11 am knocking on doors and giving people free bread yeah. <laughs> so they would like suddenly open the door and we would be like auntie hum yahan se we you know we are running this small bakery ye hamari taraf se aapko kind of a like a welcome gift right and we i think if i remember correctly we gave the walnut raisin sado and we gave a panacea we were amazed and because it was you know it was a gesture we said humne khud banaya hai people obviously gave feedback they called us back things like that and you know we started getting calls saying wo kishmish wala bread dena <laughs> you know or wo you know where where do we get your products and that's when i thought you know that there is this market so you know guys i think that in in the start like my sort of ambition was pretty similar i wanted to open like many like many small low 15 kiosks and stores and soon you realize the challenges of yeah. a retail operation yeah. right yeah. what has been your experience with retail over the last couple of years and then then i want to get into what 2020 got <laughs> served us i would say around 2019 is when we actually got a good grip on how we want to take this forward and what do we want to sell at one point we went to almost seven or eight retail stores in bombay itself right uh, we opened one kind of kiosk in one india bulls in the food court and you know what aditi says you know that naivety and foolishness right we thought people will have sardo for lunch <laughs> like they love they love a slice of of pogren sardo and you know if people come with this like four tiered steel dabbas and have lunch and but uh, we had two stores in bandra at one point we opened one in reclamation so we went a bit i would actually say kind of berserk in terms yeah. of that expansion and as you said soon realized that retail is not easy the cost associated with the store there is all said and done there is a limited you know customer cohort around that store from where and because it is a perishable product right in the end for something like bread uh, puja no one is going to go above you know travel even above 1 km Yeah. You'll feel that it's just too far for a loaf of bread. How much ever you might love it. And also those renters were very expensive. Correct. So was the business self-funded uh, at this point in time like yes. the first yeah. initial years? Okay. Till date we are self-funded. So that's when we realized Pooja that you know we needed to get into retail. Um we felt at that time and that was in a way I would I would not say mistake number 2 but learning number 2. So first was that we can't have branded stores in every corner of Bombay. uh you know leave leave other cities aside second is we said okay let's do one thing then let's get into retail so we went into the modern trade formats Correct. your uh, you know your nature's basket food hall all of these formats hico these ones right great for sales great for a brand building and expansion 
I think where there also there are limitations, right? In the end, see our kind of products, they would not work like extremely well on a retail shelf because then you start getting compared on price. You start getting compared on pack size. You know, you are not able to give the same ambience as you would give in your own Prabhadevi store, right? See, there, there's a story around baking that you can sell. It's impossible to do that in a high court. So great from a scale point of view, uh, question mark was still in a way sustainability and also then expanding further from Bombay. How do you go beyond, right? If we had to go to a Bangalore or a Delhi, how do we go there? Right. Answer is only putting up facilities, etc. And that's when we felt we needed a completely different way to look at this. And there were two parts to solve on that. Uh, one was the product which we solved through an innovation on the packaging, which I leave Aditi to talk about. And the second one was on the distribution channel, which is actually 2020 kind of learning. Yeah. So, you know, it's very clear that I was always very product driven and Sne wanted to just go and expand more and more and more. So the whole idea became how is the product going to catch up to this expansion and still be the same in essence. And then yeah. we came across this packaging technology called uh, Modified Atmosphere Packaging. So now our packaging is like this. Now what happens is in this pack, this plastic is a special barrier plastic. What it means is that oxygen cannot enter. The minute oxygen cannot enter, uh, degradation of a product becomes that much slower. So we vacuum flush it and we remove all oxygen from that, which was a very natural way of increasing shelf life because we've never added any preservatives for our shelf life. So what, you know, bread would normally last us two days initially and now it lasts us about seven to eight days. So that meant we could put up a manufacturing in Ahmedabad. We produce here every day. We dispatch here trucks from here to Bombay, Delhi every day. And finally, the back end was uh, capable of uh, managing in a way Sne's uh, ambitious uh, expectations. So tell me, is it is it still all like managed and owned by you? You, you don't contract manufacture. No, it's all no, done no, by no. all done in house. Yeah. And so this is what's need. This is what you're explaining that even though there are facilities out there that do yeah. large scale bread production, you wanted to control production always. Yeah. Yeah. Pooja, if you look at even the large scale commercial bakeries, mass bakeries in India also, right? They all have hub factories. So they would have one in Bangalore, let's say one in Delhi, one in Calcutta, one in Bombay, you know, things like that. But for us, Aditi was very clear on that, that she wanted to see the product that goes out to the customer. Right. So now, and secondly, we also wanted to be very, you know, clear to the brand ideal of no preservatives, you know, keep the sanctity of the product intact. Now, how do you achieve both of these while trying to expand? You know, all of this is great if you are a one, you know, if you, as Aditi's vision was one shop baking in the background and selling ahead. Right. Uh, but how do you then take it? And that's where the packaging helped. Did what you have in mind for the company pre-pandemic now change drastically after 2020? I, I think quite significantly in terms of our uh, sales approach. So pre-pandemic, um, we had our own stores where we were doing some version of a revenue. And a lot of it was dependent on retail, which is mainly modern trade. And a little bit was online. Uh, we Instead, I remember when COVID happened and uh, there was a time, I think around 24th March last year, and Snane, we were thinking, will we have to wrap up business? Because, you know, that's just your go-to reaction, right? Yeah. But I think we just kept trying, trying, trying. And because uh, it we were under the category of essential service provider, so we officially could stay operational. 
and this is where i think uh, the agility of the company and uh, snay's ability to transform very quickly happened because what happened during the pandemic is initially if you remember the first 3 months there was no online sales happening so no amazon big basket nothing like that all modern trade uh, stores were shut or if not shut very little operational what we found is out of the 2 3 stores we had in bombay crazy amount of demand was coming i mean our stores did not shut at night at times because you know delivery ka burden itna hota tha so we would attempt shut at 1 2 in the morning open at 6 again and that's when we realized this d2c where we are directly talking to a customer but the customer doesn't want to walk in is not comfortable doing so does not see the need to so they only want a delivery so then we changed our model to tbd stores model but we said we will have these dark stores a bit like cloud kitchens and let's have one at every 5 km radius we initially started this with bombay but now that now we're doing that in ahmedabad in delhi in hyderabad in bangalore and most of this is become online sales whether it's our own website or app whether it's swiggy whether it's zomato also a uh, second thing that's happened now that uh, online retailers like big basket milk basket super deli they've all opened up a huge part of sales comes from there too now especially and what we've seen is this obviously by pre pandemic we also had a patisserie section where we were making sponge cakes like a banana bread carrot walnut but the need for bread went up significantly you know our pizza sales went up a lot because you know people are not ordering pizzas but are they're buying pizza bases and making pizzas and then he said listen why don't we do these premixes and make like you know cake premixes and all and i'm like oh sounds good And then I think uh, he saw an ad where you'd put up, and I'm like, he's like, listen, Pooja is doing it, so must be a good idea. <laughs> 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 like, yeah. Listen, I was just like at home, you know, the same thing, guys. Like yeah. in March of last year, all these big plans and this whole world domination, and I'm going to open here and there and all these stores. And now suddenly you're like, you know, revenue zero, yeah. and um, yeah. you know, we were just like, where do we look? Like, what do I do? And the first logical thing I was like. let's cut down costs so just shut yeah. all the you know stores yeah. that were yeah. not working all the you know large overheads and then post that was like first what do i do to survive and then i was like okay i'll yeah. teach online i'll do all of this and then i just saw everybody was baking i was like this is great yeah. you know like everyone yeah. suddenly wants to bake at home and um, even finding like your normal like chocolate and butter in the start yeah. of lockdown was difficult very true so the idea was like okay you know so many people want to bake how do we kind of make that easier and you know give them a great cake mix to make at home so it came from that and i think that it's uh, you know they they always say that the indian cake mix market is not very big and it doesn't uh, you know so i hope that we can change that at some exactly. point we can exactly for me as well i think the last year has been um, quite an eye opener uh, yeah. you know all the things yeah. that you read about in books you you finally put to practice you know for me personally i think it was a big personal growth as well this whole journey but now you close the year and you're more profitable than you've been is that correct yes. is has yeah. business has business grown that would yeah yeah and if i had to like ask you guys if now after everything that you know if i had to say that i would never do this again what you know each of you what would that be what is one thing that you both would never do again this fact that whenever you're scared of something and this could be a genuine fear you still don't stop i don't think i've ever done that in my life until this past one year where whatever is the hurdle in front of you you are going to say listen only one of us is going to survive either the hurdle or me it's better that i survive and not the hurdle and you just don't stop so whether it was the first wave or the second wave maybe a third maybe a fourth the whole idea is just don't stop i like no. that a lot and snay what about you 
Pooja, when you come from a background like mine in terms of education and things like that, right? Now you become part of a cohort which ends up putting a different kind of pressure on you as an uh, entrepreneur, uh, right? Especially, you know, there is this pressure for growth, funding, big numbers, you know, uh, scale, 20, yeah, yeah, yeah. 20 under 20, 30 under 30, 80 <laughs> under 80 one day, you know, things like that, right? And, you know, there was this always this tussle between me and Aditi because, you know, Aditi comes from a family, you know, business family. And uh, she's more, you know, traditional in the way in terms of, you know, business stable, sustainable, grow as much as you can and keep building it for the long term, right? For the long haul. While I am, you know, my parents are doctors. So for me, you know, this was a completely new game. And then the only circle I know are people who are doing you know, yeah. who are raising millions of dollars and doing different things with that. Now, what I've realized over the last one year, Pooja, is that there is a certain nature to every business. Our business, both our business, for example, the perishable products, right? You cannot stretch it beyond a certain point with the same, you know, idea or push. Like you can't yeah, say that... we're not a tech I company, will, yeah. Yeah, and you can't say that I will now airlift bread to, <laughs> to Dubai, you know, uh, by the way, we have airlifted bread to Bangalore for <laughs> almost eight months. And that's when I said, you know, I should have listened to Aditi, right? Uh, so you do those things. And today, if I look back, we have actually grown the maximum in the last one year. We have grown most sustainably. We have achieved all the growth targets that we set out to do. But we did not do what I was ingrained to think that we needed to do. You know, earlier it used to be that, like, I'm trying to run while Aditi is telling me to you know, kind of just halt. But I think what I've learned is that it's not true. Yeah. She also wants to grow as much as I want to grow this business, but in the correct manner and in a long-term sustainable manner. And it releases pressure. Yeah. You know, it, it really releases pressure on you. So I think that is my learning. No, I think that I think that's beautiful. And I was going to ask what it's like working together, but I think that kind of you know, cleared that part for me. Aditi, you know, just because I get asked this question a yeah. lot, I want to ask you as well what it's like being a woman in business and um, how do you handle this sort of like, like Sne said, this pressure for him from, you know, the circles that he's in regarding funding yeah. and everything. And I think for women, it's a different kind of pressure. Do you feel that at all? Is it uh, something that you think about often? So I've never felt this external pressure about growth or funding. Instead, I've actually been quite anti all of those things. For me, it was really like, you know, people should always think, it doesn't matter what your scale is. Like I always give an example, and this is a really ridiculous example. Everybody knows of Eton School in England. It's considered one of the best schools in the world. There's only one, right? They don't have branches. So branches expansion doesn't always mean growth in a good way. So even if you're just at a one-shop stop, it's fine. You could still be great at it. But it was always like, let's grow sustainably. I think places where I've felt pressure as, as a woman is when there's a lot of things to multitask. So, you know, when I had kids and I wanted to take a back seat, those sort of points where I think life becomes really difficult to juggle. Initially, it was just him and me, so it didn't matter where did the food come from or any such thing. But once you start having a family, you want to take a back seat, but you, there's so much guilt you feel around taking a back seat. So those sort of things uh, used to get but to how, how do you How do you deal with that? How do you overcome those, those you know, the, the guilt, the so pressures? The first thing is, uh, so I think this is where a partnership helps. A partnership could have been two women, wouldn't have mattered. Uh, where uh, 
I actually wanted to get back to work within a couple of months once the kids were born. But once the kids were born, I did a U-turn and I said, listen, I just want to be with them and do nothing else. And uh, Snee was very good with like, he's like, you know what, take your time and space. And I took a year and a half off. And when I say off, I mean literally off. I was barely involved in what was happening. And uh, I think maybe it was a bit of unfair burden that came on to him, but he uh, accepted that quite uh, comfortably. Uh, there were times when I used to feel uh, this pressure where, listen, if you're not working, are you now going to be considered a woman who has no ambition? To me, that was not true because I'm choosing to be a mother. And when the time comes, I will choose to be someone else. Then there were times, I think, when we used to have our investor meetings, which I used to find very strange that could be finance-related question, I kinda, the heads would tilt. <laughs> like, I'm more than comfortable to say, listen, you know, I like my product, but that does not mean I don't know my numbers. <laughs> So, you know, those sort of things would happen and I would be like, okay, this is unfair, but uh, it's okay. It doesn't matter. To the time, I, I just feel to the time you're, you're being able to raise money for yourself, if you're less dependent on others, doesn't matter what they think of you. Do you then deliberately create an environment in your own organization that then promotes women, that that makes sure that the, there's, a, there's a different kind of culture internally? Is that, is that something that you intentionally set out to do? I don't think for any task, there's a man who can perform better than the woman. Instead, I prefer the more seniority the roles have. If you have more women, it would be great. At times, I do get a bit biased in hiring a woman over a man, even if the man was a bit better off. Uh, Same. <laughs> because, you know, I, I feel women in the fun day life may straight out there. And I feel like we should just try to support them in ways like I'll give you a small example there's this uh, girl who works in our factory she's pregnant now so she wants to take some time off and she's like listen I'll come back after a year year and a half and it's very simple that whenever you come back it doesn't matter if there's a vacancy or not you just come so you take your time off so those sort of things is what I believe in that we should uh, help people that if they want to take time off for a personal reason even if it's a year let them take that time off correct no, I think that's how change happens, right? Yeah. And I think that that's in our own small ways, uh, building and creating organizations that then build, you know, yeah. people that start thinking like this. And I think that's that's a great way to grow and change. What next for you guys? What is the big dream for you? What is the, you know, I want you to talk to me about the doors we need, step that you guys are doing with the organization. And then, you know, just what the big plan for you guys is. So the doors we need... Uh... This is a very personal sort of a thing that we do. You know, especially when the second wave started, I think it was very clear to everyone that the only way to survive and not just survive the second wave for the next few years is not just going to be social distancing, is going to be vaccinated. You have to get vaccinated. And I know initially when the vaccines came out, there were just people who were, reluct who were eligible but reluctant on taking it. So we started uh, talking to our staff, although none of them were eligible at that point, that, listen, this is important. I know you hear some scary stories, but it's important. And that's the only way you're going to keep yourself safe and your family safe. You know, our kids are not eligible, right? So how do I protect them? I ensure everyone around them is vaccinated. So we actually started talking to a few people in Ahmedabad, saying, you know, if, if your vaccines are going to get wasted, do you want to do a drive? Do you want to come to our office? Uh, we have staff who are essential service providers. Do they qualify? And so on. And we did a couple of drives like this in little spots to get uh, our staff vaccinated. Then this uh, point came up, which we were talking uh, a bit earlier. The second wave has been extremely depressing. It's even if nothing's happened to your family, you just hear of the stories and you cry. And there's so much grief in the world. 
and we said you know bakery is always a place you associate with happiness in romantic movies you see a boy and a girl you know eating a cupcake things like that so we said i think what we know is uh, spreading a little bit of joy and at a time like this uh, one could really use every little gospel of joy that you get so we said let's try to combine these two dreams where if you get vaccinated it's a bit like you know when you as a kid went to a doctor your mom gave you a chocolate so if you get uh, vaccinated we'll give you a box of cookies we understand that nobody is coming to get mine guys <laughs> please do it on my list in june i'm getting my first shot i'm going to come and get my cookies so that was the whole idea that uh, go get vaccinated take a box of cookies yeah. uh, have a good time and yeah so how does this work one just gets uh, shows up and shows the vaccination certificate oh uh, you go on it. our website covid.thebakers.in <laughs> and there's yeah. a form where you put in your name you upload your certificate uh, we actually don't have access to the information on the certificate so that remains confidential you give us your correct address please so that we can deliver the cookies to you and uh, the back end verifies that it's uh, a genuine certificate once that is done we will deliver a box of cookies to you in the next two weeks and this is uh, true nationwide so it doesn't matter whether we are present in the city we'll courier it to you but you get that cookie now you just have to get get the doctor to vaccinate you that's a task <laughs> I I'm going to I'm going to request for cookies for me and the whole family. You're going to see yeah. see a lot of Tingra boxes going out. But that's amazing. And then guys, what is like the big dream now? I'm sure if I asked you this question in 2019, the answer would probably be different. Mm-hmm. But seeing the way things are today, you know, what is it that you would like for yourselves and for for bakers as in both? Now the focus is quite clear, Pooja, that the uh that the way to grow for us is the foundation will be these stores of ours now it can be branded stores it can be dark stores it can be a mix in each city you know you can have some delivery only stores you can have branded only stores so that at least our internal aim as a team is to you know if we have gone up to 25 today can be potentially go up to 100 by mid or end of next year and we feel quite confident to be able to do that even in the cities that we are present currently right and and i think after that the next step would be what we have been pleasantly surprised so we also you know our products retail on amazon uh, and all also some of at least the longer shelf life products and sometimes i just go through the addresses and i'm amazed as to from where all people want good products right in india itself you know you get orders from bhubneshwar from uh, you know ludhiana all of these cities and what we are realizing is that this model can also help us penetrate some of these smaller cities there is enough people wanting good products and not having an option and many of them actually you know most of them have even higher like incomes than all of us who say you know we live in bigger <laughs> cities right so i think that would be the way to grow the e-commerce partners the retail partners those will all be bakery pun intended icing on the cake but the the cake is is our stores that is the foundation and through that a, a complete d2c approach so our own website app those all are already live today but building more and more on that and uh, building this complete kind of customer cohort right that is that are tbd loyalists amazing Aditi, anything that you'd like to add to that? No, my job is to follow and give him the product he needs to sell. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing! Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Is there anything that I have missed out? Anything that you would like to add? 
just one point on the dose we need just wanted to kind of share one point on that uh, so the link is covid.thebakersdozen.in and if you have a look at that we started our aim was initially 100 or 200 people will <laughs> sign up for it How so many we started on cookies <laughs> we, we start so we started on 15th may we said we'll keep it active till 30th june we we'll get 200 250 people i still remember there's a mail saying demand to the plant 250 free cookies <laughs> for vaccination drive. As on date, right now, there are some 2,600 people who have signed up for oh, it. Oh, amazing. <laughs> and and uh, we're like, okay, now we need to make many more cookies. No, this that's great. You're going to get four more right now. <laughs> We're adding to it. Thank you guys so much. I'm, you know, this, this conversation has been super insightful for me as well. And it gives me a lot of hope and courage so uh, thank you for that that was Aditi Handa and Snejen in conversation with me Pooja Ringra on No Sugar Coat by the way Lure 15 now delivers across India so go get your sugar fix at lure15.com <laughs> <laughs>